0: Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet, so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com.
1: Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 10th, five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Nikki Haley, trimming... The lead that Donald Trump had in New Hampshire down to single digits. Now, keep in mind, this is a CNN poll. Oh. And it was conducted by the University of New Hampshire. So, right now, Donald Trump sitting at 39%, Nikki Haley up to 32%. What what was it again? 39 to 32. Okay. So everybody is claiming that this is a two-person race at this point. You still have Chris Christie. When is he going to drop out, by the way? He's at 12%.
0: Never, Casey. He's never dropping out. (laughs) He's never getting out.
1: Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who we just heard from a little bit ago, uh, is doing a little better. He's at 8%. And my, how far has Ron DeSantis fallen? He's only at 5%.
0: Well, New Hampshire was never a good state for him. And we'll see what happens in Iowa, there will be two people that get out of Iowa. There will be Trump and whoever is second in the boat racing competition that's about to take place out there. I mean, clearly Nikki Haley is the establishment choice. Mm -hmm. She has all the money behind her. She is policy-wise a darling of the big government, big military industrial complex. I mean, all of those people. So they have kind of moved their moved all of their chips into the Nikki Haley camp and uh in all likelihood it's going to come down probably to Trump and she'll probably be the last person standing it logically makes sense um because she's the governor former governor of the next st- the third state in the little domino South session Carolina, session sure. here so that probably makes sense but this is not a i mean it's like if alabama were to play uh marion college in football okay is there technically a football game going on <laughs> yes there are two teams <laughs> playing football mm-hmm. uh is there a chance and be, because there are two teams playing football that marion college could defeat alabama why well, yes of course on any given day there is a chance that no matter how small the school is and no matter how big the other school is, that conceivably, because it is two college football teams playing each other, that Marion College could defeat Alabama. However, everyone with a firing synapse in their brain knows that Marion College there is a 99.99999% chance they're not going to beat Alabama. Same thing going on here. This is a media-created narrative. She is not winning Iowa. She may not even get second in Iowa, and mm-hmm. if she doesn't even get... There's two people coming out of Iowa, and whoever, if it's her and Trump, then okay, she's the default person. But if DeSantis gets second in Iowa then she's done too. They're all done. It's Trump, it's gonna be Trump. It would take some, it would take the most amazing incredible thing to ever happen in the history of American politics for Donald Trump not to come out of Iowa the Republican, essentially the Republican nominee. I mean, this is incredible at this point.
1: This really reminds me, it feels to me like 2016 when everybody's saying, oh, it's Hillary, it's Hillary, it's Hillary. And then at the last minute, this dark horse named Donald Trump came in and everybody was surprised. I really feel like that is the same thing that is going on in Iowa, where you're hearing this narrative of, oh, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. But I think a lot of people may be surprised at what actually happens in Iowa. Now, when it comes to New Hampshire, Trump supporters are definitely with him. 80% said, yep, he's our guy. Nikki Haley supporters are waffling just a bit, where only 54% of them are saying, yeah, we like her, but we're still open to other options.
0: I I would be interesting to talk to someone who is an ardent Nikki Haley supporter and go, why? Yeah, wh- like what? I mean, it's one thing to say, well, I find her, you know, you see this sometimes. I find her the least offensive of all the choices or, you know, I find her the most professional of the, all the choices or whatever. But there's nothing Nikki Haley has done either as a governor or or even at the United Nations, because anything she did at the U.N., you're going to give credit to Trump on because of Trump's policies. Uh, there's nothing she's done that you would say, oh, my gosh, that is just,
1: wow, that's mm-hmm. really I'm blown away. This really is a great incredible. new idea. We've never heard this before.
0: So, again, you can say whatever you want. It's a one-person race right now. It's the equivalent of leading a golf tournament by six shots on the back nine and – Nobody's gonna catch. I mean, nobody's gonna catch you. You've got to. You've got to come back to the field. Now, if that's Tiger Woods, game over. If it's Greg Norman, hey, we still got a game because he's got some wide rights in the in the bag on the back nine. So, at this point, though, I mean, it, it just feels like Trump has never wavered. In the, the support for him has never wavered. It has only increased over time. De facto default. Maybe Nikki Haley has coalesced some of the anti-Trump vote, but. So what? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's 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 just say he wins Iowa by 20 points and wins New Hampshire by 5 points. Okay? He still won them both. Yeah. He's going to win South Carolina. And then it's over. So what, what are we arguing whether it'll be over after New Hampshire or South Carolina? I mean, what that appears to be what we're arguing at this point.
1: So he was uh, ripping on President Biden, and he was warning of bedlam if uh, prosecution is allowed to go forward with him. He put out an angry statement, and uh, his lawyers were arguing in court yesterday that he enjoys absolute immunity from his time as president. My question in regards to that is, if uh, Donald Trump gets immunity, doesn't that apply to Joe Biden and everybody else as well.
0: Well, Trump's argument is and some legal mind can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Trump's argument is while I was president, which that has been a long prevailing theory that uh, that uh, well, the prevailing theory has been you cannot prosecute someone while they are president. Now, whether you can prosecute somebody after they're president or not, that's what the, for the judges to sort out. However, all the Biden stuff was pre Presidency. All mm-hmm. this stuff with Hunter was while he was the vice president. I've never heard anybody argue that the vice president is immune. So it's it's related to stuff way before he was actually president of the United States. And some of that stuff even goes back to when he was a U.S. senator. I don't think Trump's going to win this argument. I do think Trump's going to win, like he can be on the ballot in Colorado. And I, but I, I think that he's got a long road on saying I can't be prosecuted for anything I did while president. But. We'll
1: see. So Trump was talking, he did an interview, and he was issuing a warning about 24 and saying that uh, we have to be concerned about America's survival.
2: So I don't think there's ever been a time like this. I think we're very close to being at the end of our country as we knew it, a great country. Uh, it's Marxist, it's fascist, it's communist. It's What they're doing is incredible. What they've done with weaponization of DOJ, FBI, and and others uh, all sort of reporting up if it's a local D.A. or a attorney general, a state attorney general. Uh, I think it's a very dangerous time. The hope is 2024, because if we win, we're going to get that straightened out so fast because it's all people. Mm-hmm. It's the people from the top. It's a very dangerous time for our country. I really believe that. Then we have the wall where millions and millions of people are pouring into our country. We have. Uh, the most incompetent president we've ever had has no idea what's going on in the world, has no respect from the world. And numerous countries are coming up with nuclear weapons, which is the real global warming threat, not the ocean will rise over the next 400 years by, a, you know, an eighth of an inch.
1: So it's 13 minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I want to change gears and talk about what happened last night over at the State House, and that uh, was that yeah. Eric Holken gave his final State of the State address. Of course, he was promoting a new agenda for his last term.
0: Okay, what, what, what do we do? Why don't we do this? You
1: need you need well, a you need a minute. Yeah, why don't we just why don't we go ahead and take
0: a break? Okay, and then we'll we'll do a deep we'll dive on, on Governor tax and spend. And his farewell uh, back padding slash victory celebration. Okay. And uh, we'll we'll remind somebody, you know, since last night was kind of his farewell to Mm -hmm. the state, we'll remind some people of the highlights of the seven plus years Holcomb's now been in office. And maybe we'll tell a little different tale than the governor told. How about that?
3: That's coming up on 93 WIBC.
1: It was his eighth and final State of the State address to the General Assembly. It happened last night at 7 o'clock. And in it, Eric Holcomb was detailing not only his accomplishments of his administration, but also previewing things to come. It is 17 minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the reality
0: is, um, and obviously we tell a much different tale of truth on this show than the just Lie and spin factory that have come out of uh, 200 West Washington Street for the past eight years. And the reality is, and there's nothing Eric Holcomb can say or do or whatever stooge crony he sends out on his behalf on social media, on the slobber love fest from these uh, establishment, you know, goons and donors and lobbyists. I mean, they've loved the guy. He's been great for them. The reality is, under Eric Holcomb, it, it, we have seen the largest expansion of the cost of government in our state's history the largest expansion of the role of government in our state's history and the largest expansion of the size of government in our state's history despite record revenue coming into the treasury uh, taxpayers have never seen more taken out of their pockets than they are seeing uh, today and the reality is that eric holcomb on the regular has stuck his giant oversized middle finger in the face of regular people in order to enrich and embolden his corporate and donor and lobbyist friends. Um, I think in a nutshell, if you were to sum up who Eric Holcomb has been as governor uh, and what his time as governor has been, there are two actions that really stand out to me. Uh, First and foremost, in the early days of COVID, when he locked the state down um, and then, of course, didn't follow his own mandates. People will famously remember the maskless photo of Holcomb with the strangers in the local diner while he went to his governor's cabin after laying out a bunch of rules of the road for everyone else. Um, There was a rally outside the statehouse in which law-abiding, very peaceful people Uh, obeyed all rules and applications and were there to simply say, we don't want any freebies, Mr. Governor. We just simply would like our businesses open and our jobs back. And all those people uh, were there and behaved and there was not one single solitary arrest and those people picked up their trash and their seats and went home quietly. And Eric Holcomb's response to that was to call those people a human petri dish. Mm -hmm. And if you compare and contrast that with how Holcomb handled the riots of 2020, where he not only called that a noble cause and sided with those people in the mornings and days after the the downtown was destroyed um, and did absolutely nothing to prevent further violence and destruction the next night as we saw round two of the summer of love he then in the days after sided with and and propped up and made the poster child malik muhammad who threatened to seize the governor's mansion on live statewide television uh it was a scene that was like something out of a made for tv movie and in the days after malik muhammad threatened to seize the governor's mansion on live TV. Not only was Malik Muhammad never arrested or held to account, he got a very famous VIP meet and greet with Eric Holcomb, where they were shaking hands and outside the garden at the governor's m- mansion and and uh, various accounts to what degree there's in dispute. But the fact is Malik Muhammad was allowed to help write part of the police reform bill that law enforcement uh, now is bound by in the state of Indiana. So if you are a peaceful Law-abiding person who didn't want anything from the governor—you just wanted your business open and and be allowed to go back to work. You were called a human Petri dish, if you were a guy who threatened to seize the governor's mansion on live TV, uh, and then of course the. Tale of Malik Muhammad, since Holcomb didn't do anything about Malik Muhammad. He's now in jail for attempting to kill cops out in Portland. Uh, You were given a VIP meet and greet with the governor. And that, to me, is the seven years that Eric Holcomb has been governor. That's who he is. And there is no amount of whitewashing or speeches or anything else that is ever going to change how we address that giant piece of human garbage on this radio program.
1: He was welcomed into the statehouse by a round of applause and hugs from uh, Suzanne Crouch.
0: Wait 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 wait, yes. wait, 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 you
1: say that again. He he was hugged by Suzanne Crouch. Are you talking about the round of applause no, when well, he entered the...
0: Well, campus? so both. So that's very important because you've got Suzanne Crouch out running for governor mm-hmm. right now. And she said she's going to come on the show. They have not gotten back to us. They reached out to us. We said, anytime, you name it, we've not heard back from her yet. We're going to give them the benefit of that, the doubt and assume by the end of the week, they'll have something for us. But she is running and trying to convince people that whatever he did, I'm not accountable for, and yet, no matter what he does, she's always there for him, holding his hand and hugging him and giving him millions of dollars for reelection, and this is important. Every opportunity this woman has, and if she comes on here, you damn better bet, we're gonna ask her and hold her accountable on this. Every opportunity she has to run away from him, She will not do it yet. She wants you to not hold her accountable when you vote in the Republican primary for governor.
1: Yep. He avoided directly talking about the pandemic. And instead, he emphasized Indiana's economy and manufacturing industry. And he called the state's effort to create generational change the Indiana model.
4: As a former Navy man, I'm drawn to a motto embraced by Grace Hopper one of the first female Admirals in the United States Navy and I quote a ship in port is safe but that is not what ships are built for in that same spirit I do not plan to safely stay anchored in port for the next 12 months after all standing still is not what we are built for here in Indiana So to frame up our time here tonight and going forward, I'd like to talk about something I call the Indiana model, Mm -hmm. which guides all the work that we've been doing together to create lasting generational change.
1: He says uh, they're going to take giant leaps rather than baby steps, and he went on to talk about the Health First Indiana initiative, which is a public health initiative that he pushed since last year, and here he is- list- Wait, wait, wait,
5: wait,
0: wait. Tell me, before we do this, we can't just let that go address because okay. this, is, this is really important, Casey, yeah. because remember, Eric Holcomb- was hand-chosen to be the governor of the Mm -hmm. state of Indiana. Okay, Eric Holcomb was dead last in a U.S. Senate primary when he had to stand on his own two feet because he's a goof and a loser and a weirdo. And when he had to run his own campaign, people looked at him and said, you're a goof, you're a loser, and you're a weirdo. And somehow magically in the same year went from last in a U.S. Senate primary and dropping out to being governor of the state of Indiana. He was hand-chosen by a group of party insiders and elitists because they knew he would do the bidding of reforming Indiana. And what we mean by that is those people, those insiders and elitists, if you're a regular person, and that's why the human petri dish comment is so important. He told you what he thought and what they think of you as a regular person who just wants to go to work and be left alone. Their view of success was transforming Indiana. Many, many people were going about their lives each day going, hey, I like Indiana. I like cornfields. I like peace and quiet. I like being able to have an affordable cost of living. I kind of like a more limited view of government. I'm really okay with the way things are going. And they looked at those people with such disdain that their view of success is how many cornfields can we plow down and how many bright shiny objects can we erect and you notice the government, despite all this revenue that's come in, it hasn't made it any better for the regular people. The jobs for the regular people aren't any better because those those bright, shiny objects have been filled by outside, many times foreign corporations Mm -hmm. with workers who have come in from out of state. So all that's happened for you is your taxes have gotten larger. I mean, look at property taxes, example A, but there's many, many taxes that have gotten larger. Your taxes have gotten larger. The government has gotten bigger. The government has gotten more invasive. None of all this revenue has gone to make your life better or more importantly, allowed you to make your life better. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that absolutely has to be addressed because- People need to walk, as he walks out the door, this guy, you need to know how much he hates, he hates you. And I know, I spent two years in that statehouse around those people in the buildup to what would become Eric Holcomb. I saw the people that run the show. I know how they view regular people. They hate you and he hates you.
1: Did you notice that he did not address the recent... We'll just call it a rounding error that left the state a billion dollars short in the uh, Medicaid needs.
0: What's a billion dollars amongst friends, Casey? Didn't
1: mention it at all. And
0: and nobody's been been fired. Nobody's been let go. The ineptitude of the Holcomb-run government. And look... uh, We've got to get to the news, mm-hmm. and we've, not, we've
1: got more to discuss well, I, with this.
0: I know, and maybe we should save it for next hour because I'm worried we're going to be, you know, accused of a hate crime of some sort if we force <laughs> our audience to listen to the to more than one clip of this this guy at a time. So. Let's let's kick it to Kurt Darling, who yep. everybody loves to listen to and is a great voice of reason and honesty. And then maybe next hour we'll deal with more of uh, lockdown, lockdown McGee and, and his great trespasses. We
1: also have your voicemails on the way with 93 W.I.B.C.
5: It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN.
1: The phone number 317-684-8444. If you'd like to contribute with your voicemails to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC.
0: Yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta do that, Kev. Yeah. Yeah. So during the break, Kev (laughs) was telling us that he got invited to John Herrick's wedding. Yeah. Which I guess is John Herrick, the news director. Getting getting married. Getting married. And we have determined that you've got to ask Casey to be your plus one (laughs) to to go to the wedding. Because we were invited. Well, we didn't get invited. And so I think you got to go... And you got to get super political at John Herrick's wedding with Casey as your plus one.
1: Oh my you're going to <laughs> drive, Casey. Oh, sure. Because <laughs> I want to so have So that some you fun. can have a libation? <laughs> yeah. Sure. I don't know which is more shocking out of that sentence, that Kevin would get political.
0: Yeah. No, oh. bo- both of you. I'm saying <laughs> that both of you have got to go, and you've got to be just <laughs> super aggressive with your politics Yeah, at no matter who's— <laughs> I'm too,
1: looking at him to see if he's listening. No, he
0: doesn't. He never listens no, to us. Um, he's he's too busy barking orders at Donnie Burgess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you guys got to go, and you got to get super politically aggressive at his wedding, mm-hmm. no matter what table you sit at. Even if, it, and and hopefully you'll get some apolitical person, and that's all. Like Kevin proposed, maybe you both bring little Israeli flags, <laughs> and you just like wave them
1: at the, oh, no. at the table. <laughs> Scare one of John Herrick's aunts <laughs> or something. <laughs> like, who were those people you sat? Us next to John would be like, I don't know, they weren't even invited. Honestly, I (laughs) might just that's your MO, Kevin. You show up to weddings you're not invited to.
6: Yeah, that is true. I'm a wedding crasher. Honestly, what I might do is I might call
0: you at the reception or like during the wedding and then put you on speakerphone and have you just (laughs) rant.
1: And here's <laughs> Rob Kendall going off the rails. Nothing says uh, fun nuptials <laughs> like that. Rob Kendall ruined John Eric's wedding, and he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, let's get to some phone calls. Uh, we had a discussion about a woman who was demanding that her fiance uh-huh. uh, get his tattoo removed yes. because it was initials of his ex. Yes.
0: So this this was while you were gone. Mm-hmm. We did this Cloppensine st- sign, and I did this story about this woman who was very concerned about Mary this guy because he still had this woman's name on his body and we had a lengthy conversation. What did you
1: guys determine? What was the outcome? Well, that, Was she right or?
0: You got a strong, now there was more to this story as I recall that uh, we didn't do a deep deep dive on it but he, she had found he was texting her still oh, or they were Facebook messaging or there was some dealio with that but uh, Kl- Klopfenstein and I agree and I, I don't know Kev, I think you came in on the same side. That's a strong ask to marry somebody and know they've got some other woman's name on permanently their, person. Etched on their yeah, body yeah I think I'm gonna I would I, I'm thinking with the I think I'm with the the woman on this
1: yeah that he has to get that removed all right was well, somebody called and wanted to weigh in
5: as an over 60 gentleman I will be honest with you uh, 30 40 years ago I got a tattoo of a panther on my shoulder the girl I was dating I had a small circle put on the lump with her initials of T Three years later, after we break up, I meet the love of my wife, and I've been married for 27 years with her, and it was noticed that I had the initials T S. So I lied and said that it was (laughs) too smooth. (laughs) But I think she's always known. So, therefore my advice is when you're going to tattoo your body, mm-hmm. please make sure that you weren't as immature as I was, <laughs> and that you have to live with it the rest of your life. <laughs> Thank you. Love the show.
1: I love how he's honest. So I lied.
0: Well, we. I think we got into this conversation about. Um, I don't think, and obviously I'm out of the game, but you know, I don't think tattoos are nearly as prevalent a thing as they were when I was coming of age with interpersonal relationships. I think uh, everyone has a tattoo now. Is know. it more? No. I feel yeah, like they're more, more popular. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, because
1: you see women with the uh, well, sleeves. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's, I'm saying like there were there were very
0: specific tattoos thighs. in very specific places and uh-huh. they identified people as... You're very, talking about a
1: tramp stand. Yeah, I didn't know if we could say stamp. that on the air. I, I just think said so. There were
0: very levels of moral standing which mm-hmm. you could identify uh-huh. based on where <laughs> various tattoos were located. And, and you probably knew about I don't know, 30 minutes in, how the rest of the evening was going to go if you could get to the tattoo conversation uh-huh. and what was where, and then you could kind of plot your course of success based on that. And I don't I don't know if that's still the way it is anymore. I don't see nearly as many of those Anymore, it it doesn't seem like they're just not nearly as prevalent. Although I could be,
1: you're tattoo free, aren't you? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. There is
0: there is no documentation. Yeah. There's no documentation of anything that I've ever, uh, you know said a or done or any crimes against humanity
1: if people say oh tattoos don't hurt they're lying to you another lie about tattoos yeah you've got one i do have one oh, and wow. the only way you would ever see it is if i was in a string bikini yeah which you know we don't do that anymore okay <laughs> <laughs> some things you just can't unring that bell some things you just can't just to, unsee in, unless you are
0: now if you're look if you're married mm-hmm. and you, you know obviously you get married and you're gonna be with that person forever hey that's i guess okay although what do you need the name on your person for? Don't you know who you're married to? Yeah.
1: Like, uh, is that a, a show of affection? Yeah. I love you so much. I'm going to have your name permanently tattooed on my body. No, I'm
0: not going to get, I'm not getting on some phony moral high horse about this though, because like I had, uh, my ears pierced at one point and they were somewhat large and that was, I look back on that and while very successful in appealing to members of the opposite sex in hindsight, I look at that and it was like, man, the fact that I had to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that
1: was a silly well, thing. Well, it was a huh? low, it was,
0: I'm not going to say a low point in my life, but in hindsight, look, again, I'm not proud of every choice I've ever made, Casey.
1: It was fun for a moment. So I'm
0: not going to be super aggressive on people who make choices on what they put on or do to their body. Mm-hmm. But I will say the holes, you're left with just some minor, very invisible scarring that you got to look super close to see if it's earrings. The tattoo, tattoo
1: it's there. It's there. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. And painful to have removed as well. Yeah. I would assume, uh, just like putting the ink in, it probably takes a great effort to get it out. Okay. So we've got the Iowa caucus coming up and somebody wanted to call and weigh in on how they miss someone.
5: Hey, Kendall and Casey. Glad to have y'all back in the new year. Happy new year to everybody. Uh, fellow, uh, Rush Limbaugh admirer here. I just wanted to kind of make some uh, comments about this is going to be my first, uh, Primary and first uh, Iowa caucus, or as he used to say, the Hawkeye caucus, without my buddy Rush, and it's the first one I'm going to go through with since '88. Because I didn't even know about him in '88, so just wanted to uh, share some thoughts that I really miss him. I wonder, I wonder how he would have responded to some of the things we're dealing with today. <laughs> we certainly do need him more now than when he left. So. Uh, appreciate you guys' show. You really keep us informed and entertained, and thank you for that. Bye. Well, he,
0: he makes an interesting point, and obviously, Rush was a huge part of this radio station for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And that twelve to three uh, time slot that people uh, really looked forward to, um, and Rush was for many years the central hub for which people—millions of people—every single day got there. Information, Yeah. And that doesn't exist anymore. And you've seen, obviously, a splintering of that audience. Some people have stayed with the, the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, who Russia's syndicator put in that time slot. But I think a lot of people, obviously, some people listen to Tony and people have gone a variety of other places. And I think we have not been well served. Without obviously, Rush was a phenomenal entertainer and the greatest broadcaster who ever lived. And you put him on the Mount Rushmore of people who changed radio and importance of radio. But I also think the idea that everybody could kind of go to a singular place and you were getting uh, this point of view that if you were conservative, you could kind of universally get your head around and agree with. Um, I think we're not, I think it's been a, done a disservice that the fact that people become so splintered without that sort of. At least for one unifying portion of your voice. day, yeah, a, universe, a unifying voice. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you very much.
1: Yep, definitely groundbreaking and uh, quite an orator yeah. as well. Um, okay, so it is a dry January for many people, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later oh. in the show. And somebody wanted to call and mention something about booze. Can't folks go
5: a month not having cherry pie? <laughs> Why is booze a problem?
0: <laughs> well look it's I mean it's only a problem if you drink to excess and mm-hmm. so you know for you know many people pick different things and I don't think anybody was trying to make a federal case out of it I think it's just something some people do pick sweets mm-hmm. some yeah. people pick alcohol I don't I don't think that warranted that sort of aggressive
6: <laughs> angry response but yeah. if, I
0: mean if it, I mean my goodness I I just drink a lot more than I eat cherry pie so I just thought you know Alcohol might be a good one.
1: I feel like alcohol is much more uh, readily available yeah. than cherry pot And every
0: is. time now I open my fridge, I've got to look at that alcohol, and it's like staring back at me going, <laughs> come on, big boy.
6: Come on. <laughs> give in. miss
1: you. <laughs> okay, uh, one last phone call, and this is about Suzanne Crouch, how she has proposed that she wants to eliminate the state income tax if she becomes governor. And somebody wanted to point something out about that.
5: We have a governor candidate that's running one Suzanne Crouch that says, Hey, I'm going to see to it we eliminate the income tax. Oh, okay, well let's go ahead and eliminate the income tax. Oh, by the way, she says she's gonna do that in the fourth year term. How convenient for re election, huh?
0: and look we hope she follows through on coming on here they initiated the contact on that and we followed up with it and they said they would get right back to mm-hmm. us we got to ask her about that like yeah how, we would love to how are you going to pay for this that's the most important thing. I think if it, it all depends on who the candidate is. Like, if I came out and said, I'm going to eliminate property taxes, and people would go, well, think of all the government you'd have to get rid of. Well, don't, okay. yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. But there's nothing in this woman's track record that says you are a government reformer or cutter or willing to make the hard choices necessary to get rid of the the revenue that is associated with the income tax. And so I think it's a very fair question that she has not provided any sort of detail on Whatsoever,
1: And I often wonder, is this something that she proposed to Eric Holcomb and he swatted it down and she's yeah. adamant about this? No, I really want to get this done. Great. Or, or yeah. is just just something she's saying to try and win an election? Yeah, we'll see. All right. We're going to hear more from Eric Holcomb and his state of the state address, which he had Boo! last night. But we've got Hammer who's going to join us next on 93
3: WIBC.
1: Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC and Hammer joins us from the number one rated Hammer and Nigel program. Question for you.
6: Yes. Are you superstitious when it comes to your sports betting? Absolutely. You are? Yes, I'm superstitious when I watch a game. Even if I don't have anything... riding on it. Mm -hmm. If somebody does something to screw up the mojo, and Rob knows this because he's texted me when things have happened, (laughs) I get a little salty. Okay, Like if we're watching a game together, Casey, and my team is doing well, and then you get up to go get a beer and you sit in another seat and the wheels fall off, that's on you. Oh gosh, that's like when I left
1: Rob's house during that Notre Dame game when they were winning. I left at halftime and then they lost. Except
0: imagine if I were just screaming profanities at you. Like I was just funny (laughs) about it. (laughs) This guy...
1: Uh Right. Really Okay, so you really do get upset about it, huh?
6: I believe in that kind of yeah. stuff, man. I do. I always have, even back when I played, you know, to now and I'm into the Gambling Gods and the Juju 100%. Now, last night, had a couple bets in place, went big on the IU under at Rutgers. Thank you for that. Thank you for that.
0: I mean, I, I, well, I I hate that because I would love for IU to have done better, but it's like betting either way I'm going to win. Either IU's going to do well, or I'm going to win money. And I'm three for three on that over the last three days. What a gross effort by IU. Like, I don't
6: even want to say the word effort. That was embarrassingly bad. How do you shoot like four out of 15 from the free throw line as a division one big 10 basketball team? Indiana high school basketball is your feeder system. How do you not have shooters? How do you not have somebody that can stroke an open three, an open J, or at least hit free throws?
0: And then you've got players. uh, I mean, the guy, the Johnson guy pulling a Ric Flair last night with the (laughs) low blow. I mean, it's like, what's the
6: dirtiest player in the game? (laughs) And he's laughing about it
0: as he's getting, he knows what he did. He's laughing about it as he's running off the court. I mean, uh, look, I I get that. you know they had to get rid of Archie Miller, and they paid all that money to get rid of him. And now they got Woodson in there, and they were like, "We got to get an IU guy." But these guys just don't appear. I mean, I have no idea what IU's offense is. I watch every IU game. I'm like, what are they doing?
6: Right, uh, it's so outdated. They went with the big front court, right? So you've got a big center who's not bad, this wear kid who transferred, then a couple guys that are six eight. They still got out-rebounded by Rutgers last night. And, oh, by the way, they had almost 20 turnovers. So you can hit free throws, you can't take care of the basketball, and you can't rebound. What the hell is Mike Woodson doing here? And and it doesn't seem like he
0: lights any fires under these guys because you come off that game with Ohio State where they played great and it's just they're just like it's like schizophrenic you know on what what team you're going to get I mean they were world beaters against Ohio State and you're going all right they finally put it together and then you get this mm-hmm. and they, they nobody ever seems like they get yelled at I mean can you imagine a Bob Knight team with that effort
6: Can you? No, a Bob Knight team would not go like four out of 15, whatever it was, from the free throw. There would have been a
0: murder (laughs) case in the locker room if they had played that way. Well, wasn't
6: that new coach a big talker when he first started, too? Tone Loke? Yeah, Tone Loke was a big talker. And again, it's an Indiana guy, guy. It doesn't sound like he does a lot. And I think we're starting to realize now. How much Trace Jackson Davis meant to that team last year? Like how much he carried the load? Because without him, these dudes are very ordinary.
0: It's, I mean, it's, you're, I'm mean, i winning money on this bet, but I'm like, this is incredibly painful to,
6: to watch. So I took the profits of that last night because I was up late. I was mm-hmm. doing laundry last night yeah. and cleaning the house, doing adult stuff. So I thought, <laughs> well, the Purdue game comes on next. Mm-hmm. And they're at Nebraska. <sighs> So I'm um, sorry watch, about that. Watch the first game and uh, the first half. Rather, Purdue was down by like 11 at halftime. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I bet they make a run. Yeah. So I live bet Purdue with just a little bit of the money. Now, the way that I bet this <laughs> was like my accounts. My sports betting account was like five hundred and twenty four dollars and sixty six cents. So I wanted it to be an even number in case I lost. So I bet the $4.66 on a live bet on Purdue. (laughs) And you had it. You had it. It was looking good because it was plus five. Yeah,
0: you were. They got it to two or one at one point. I thought that son of a gun's going to pull this off.
6: And then the fighting Fred Hoibergs of Nebraska—they rallied the troops when and they pull Nebraska blew them
0: out. get good at basketball.
6: <laughs> Shocking what happens when you have kids that can shoot. It's an amazing <laughs> concept in today's college basketball. Oh, what's coming up this afternoon? Uh, we have a little preview of all the action tonight. There's a debate. There's a town hall, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to have a good time. Tony Kennett will join us. Cindy Carrasco and more.
1: Thanks. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.